Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Guess it up. Hello, guys and girls. Welcome back to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show Podcast. And jump right into it. This episode, we're going to talk about the U.S. IPSC Nationals, which finished up uh, a week before last year <clears throat> here at our range at Universal. And uh, kind of got the the two-hatted approach again on this one. I was uh, the match director for the match as well as a competitor. This is, for those of you that may not be familiar, it's run under IPSC rules or international rules set, which is a little bit different than USPSA. Uh, not a lot. I mean, a layperson wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But if you're in the game, you know there are some there's some rule differences, some equipment differences, and nothing dramatic except for maybe some of the the divisional stuff. Never been a super popular match here. I think uh, for a lot of reasons, the standard uh, going limited to standard is impossible unless you go out and buy a bunch of magazines. Production makes it tough if you're a, a polymer gun shooter. Um, they got carry optics now, so that's that's a good carryover. Uh, open, single stack to classic, that's all pretty much the same. But uh, it really hurts the limited guys and uh, the production guys too, to an extent. If you shoot a double action gun, you're you're all right. Then there's some subtle rule differences that I don't I don't think really matter. And IPSC has a requirement in their, the size of their stage ratio. They call it the three, two, one. So you have to have three short courses, which is 12 rounds or less for every two medium courses at 24 rounds or less for every one long course at 32. So for a, a mid-size match like this, we were 16 stages. Uh, you really only end up with like three big field courses and really it was only two because the uh, six doesn't go into 16, so we actually had to cut it down by one. Uh, and we had a, good, a lot of good 24-round stages, and we uh, spread out the, the short courses a little bit. So even though it was a 12-round stage, we put some movement in there, some different positions. Uh, we had one that was one round per. I uh, have three positions, including prone. So that, that spread it out a little bit, at least get some more transitions in there. So I like to think... We do a pretty good job with the stages, with uh, what we're limited by. As always, my buddy Jenkins helped out with the stage design. Um, but that's not the American way. You know, most of the most of our customers like big field courses, high hit factors, and you know, a lot of shooting, a lot of hosing. And, um, so I think that, that hurts the attendance as well. So never a huge match, but it is a qualifier for the U.S. team to go to the world shoot. And this is the third of four over the last two years. So the last qualifier will be the, the USPSA Nationals this year in, uh, in Utah and, and here at Universal uh, in November and, and September, respectively. Uh, so that draws the big dogs. You know, it's a, lot of, a lot of the pros come down, a lot of the top shooters that are trying to make the world shoot team or even just get a slot to the world shoot, but uh, really try to make the team. Uh, it brings a lot of the top shooters, and I think that helps bring uh, bring your average shooters as well. I know when I was coming up through the ranks that I always wanted to shoot against the better guys. So if there was a match that was notorious for, for having good shooters, 
you know, that was the one that I wanted to go to. So I think that uh, that helps uh, bring out some folks and it was a really, really interesting competition and and uh, seeing where they stack up. Uh, personally, I like the I like the uh, course requirements, the three two one thing. Maybe lacks a little bit, you know, three two two or something or two two three or. But uh, I, I like the smaller, not necessarily standard shoe, but a couple positions, uh, technical, technical shooting is more my style. But I obviously also know I'm in the minority, and I always joke that. The first match I ever put on, first big match I ever put on, um, even though I prefer the shorter, <laughs> tighter stages, the first match I ever did was the monster match, which was 50 round stages and 400 rounds in, in eight stages because that's what the customers want. And uh, I'm happy to provide it to them. But if we can't do that. Uh, so the match kicked off. I shot on staff day as usual. And... Uh, it was actually staff day and a half. We started Thursday afternoon and and then finished up uh, some point on Friday. Had a little weather come in Thursday, delayed us a little bit, but we had enough cushion in the schedule that that was no issue. Uh, so I shot okay. Um, first first stage of the match, there's a little hazard of everybody thinks it is advantage. It's an advantage being a match director, but. Uh, we got the staff kicked off that day, which was actually not morning, it was afternoon by that time, but finished up with the CROs and last check of the stages and making a couple corrections and getting squads sorted and dispersed and getting everybody started. And I'm not making excuses, but here's my excuse. So I get up there and I was up relatively soon, but I felt I was ready. And uh, it was a 21 round course, I think, with a, a low finishing position, like a kneeling kneeling position. And so I don't, I don't know that I would recommend this, but the way I, I run my magazines is my, my short sticks, uh, I load them to 16, and my big stick I load to 25. And then when I'm in the hole or, or in the deep hole, whenever I'm starting to get ready, I top them off as needed. Probably doesn't make a damn, but it's just the way I've always done it. I, I, think, I, I think at the time I didn't want to overstress the springs or leave them fully loaded or something who knows but whatever it's worked fine up until now so i grab my and i'm running a shorter shorter big stick because the us psa big sticks uh, don't make it for open division so i was one round down anyway in my big stick from what i was accustomed to you know from what i could load in my my normal mag um so i put three in there for my 25 round mag making a 28 so i'm good to go and I had misloaded that mag, and there was only 20 in there. So I went into a 21-round course with uh, 23 rounds, and then I had two, two or three, I think, makeups. I was two rounds short on the stage, so whatever that math is out to. Had a couple of makeups on some long steel. Jumped down to that finishing kneeling position for one last target and get the, the old click. So I had to do, a, I would say, a standing load, but it was really a kneeling load, which is even worse. And finished that out. So that was kind of frustrating. It was my fault. I just thought I was ready and I wasn't. And uh, stupid mental error. And I remember thinking that that was the first stage of the match. I remember thinking at the time, man, if that ends up costing me this match, I'm going to be really mad. But over. It was over. Time to get back in the in the fight. And shot the rest of the match pretty good. I had one 
one bad shot, one penalty, which was actually turned into two penalties because it was a Mike no shoot. And of course, it was on a four yard target. Uh, and I was leaving his last target in position. I was already rolling out and I saw it, but I don't know. I think in hindsight, I knew it was a miss, but in the heat of the moment, because I'm already gone more or less. If I was positive it was a miss, I would have come back, but I wasn't positive. So you're thinking, I probably, probably touched the line, probably broke the perf, and you know, no shoot's not the end of the world. Mike, no shoot pretty much is. And sure enough, it was out. So that was sucky. Uh, but the rest of the match, uh, I felt I shot it pretty well. Not setting the world on fire, but pretty well. And then the uh, the waiting game begins, which is the suckiest part about running matches and being a competitor. Is once that main match kicks off, there's not a damn thing I can do about my scores anymore except watch them go down. Uh, there's a lot of top shooters here in open. Um, a lot of top shooters in standard. That was uh, standard had some super heat in it. Um, Production and classic had some good competitors as well. Carry optics had a few. So again, a lot of a lot of good competition, and just had to wait at that point. So I was watching through the day, first day, and then uh, it looked like I was sitting okay. KC was shooting well. He was probably the one that uh, I was going to have to keep an eye on. And second day, watching scores, and he shot a good, he shot a, a really good match and uh, ended up beating me by, I forget, I think 18 or 20 or 22 points or something. So that Mike Noshu did, did, did cost me the match, which is frustrating, but... I'm sure he made some mistakes throughout the throughout the match as well. You can't always do the woulda, coulda, shouldas for everything. Um, but a couple of interesting things, uh, time-wise, it shows the the total time for the match, and I was right with him there, even I think a second ahead, which is pretty rare for me to be running uh, with his times. And I think he had a malfunction on one stage or something, so I'm sure that equated to, to some of the time. Uh, but he also shot clean, uh, which is pretty rare for him as well he's so fast uh, he tends to have he tends to have some penalties but that's just kind of his style and his insane speed more than more than makes up for it uh, so I didn't I didn't get a chance to talk to him after the match but uh, I don't know if he had a strategy change coming in here because it was Nipsic match or because he's looking at the world shoot team I'm not sure what was in his head uh, or if he just shot great but uh, he put up some great scores shot a good match and ended up winning the national championship so congrats Congrats to him. I would rather it be me, but uh, he shot well and, and deserves the the victory. Uh, Nils, uh, again, Standard had some good competition. I think Nils pretty much walked away with it. He he's shooting really really well as normal. Um, had Elias in in single stack or classic, which is to be expected. Max and carry optics uh, also to be expected and. Been in uh, production, also also to be expected. So, again, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good competition. Uh, a lot of guys that you expect won. So, congrats to all them. From the match director's hat, a little bit of controversy at the match, which I'm not happy about, but it was my fault. Uh, talk about the other issue first. We had we had one stage, stage uh, I think it was two, two or three. I think it was two. It's the one with the the swinger through the hole if you were there. So I set up this target. If you shot at Universal, you've seen my my hole before. It's a piece of hardcover, uh, 18 inches wide, I think five or six feet long. 
and then there's an eight inch hole in the middle of it. And we've done a lot of things with it. We've just, we've put steel behind the hole. So, you know, you're shooting through the hole, expecting to hit steel. When you hear the steel hit, you don't know if it was the hole or the steel and just kind of messes with you a little bit. Uh, we put paper targets behind it. Uh, one evil thing we did was we, we put a paper target behind the hole and then a piece of steel behind that. So, you know, whether you hit the hard cover in the front or whether you hit the paper target through the hole, there's still 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 a piece of steel behind there. So you're you know you're hearing steel ring every time you shoot. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. So for this match, I put a swinger behind there, and on top of that, we we did it at a local match a few months ago, which is kind of where I got the idea. The the stuff just happened to be laying all near one bay and kind of popped in my head, so I threw it up there. But we had um, some barrels on either side, so you know you can't see the swinger coming out the sides. You're just seeing it through the hole. But there was nothing underneath the hardcover hole, so there was maybe two feet of ground between the bottom of the hardcover and the ground. So what that resulted in is you could see the the weight at the bottom of the swinger swinging back and forth. And in hindsight. Holy cow, does that make a big difference? Because now you got some reference to where it is, where it's coming from, and when it's coming. Uh, so for the Ipsic match, I thought, well, let's take that away. Let's give them no reference. So I blocked that bottom area, and that probably made it too hard. Uh, it's probably a little bit too much luck involved in, in that target presentation. It's definitely the nastiest target presentation uh, that I've ever done, and probably wouldn't do it again, but... Uh, to further complicate problems, the behind the behind the target, uh, the berm is kind of shot up there, so there's not no grass left. It's dirt, and it's it's pretty much like I I, I took the the uh, the dirt to shooter's connection to, to color match my target because the target looked almost the exact same color. So that made it even worse. Now the swinger just whipping back and forth between that hole or you know in front of that hole. And there's very little color change. You know, it was just a tough, it was just a tough target. Um, but it was also a short stage, 40-point stage. Uh, you know, even if you missed both shots on that target, uh, it's not gonna, you're not gonna zero the stage because of that. So I'm not super displeased with it. You know, at the World Shoot in France, we had a, a, a swinging plates, actually, like two plates that came over the top of a piece of hardcover. And World Shoot's pretty famous for always hiding the mechanisms and the act and the, the systems that are moving targets. So you can't see the swinger base, you can't see the bobber base, that type of stuff. Uh, and they had the same there, so there was really no reference on that target either. You just had the plates coming over the top for a very short duration. So I, I think prepping for the World Shoot, it's not a uh, not a totally totally unrealistic target, but it was pretty tough. I will grant you that. I got some feedback on that one. So I agree, it was tough, won't do it again. But uh, it was interesting and certainly talked about. And then the big problem uh, was stage nine. So we had uh, forward falling poppers that activated swingers, two of them, one popper for one swinger, one popper for another. And the, the steel system we have, I, I still think is the best uh, system of steel out there it's, it's two-piece it falls really well I mean we hardly ever ever have calibrations that are at our matches with with regular presentations 
and even forward falling, it works really well. Uh, it works off of a valve spring, and I mean, we've tested it with 22 long rifles, and you know the slightest of a of a hit pushes it back just a smidge against that valve spring, and then that pushes it forward. It falls forward. Um, so this this particular stage, these targets were were not being consistent, and as a match director, you know, I always say I'm the HMFIC, so I'm in charge of everything. Everything's my my responsibility and and my fault. Um, but I didn't realize uh, the level of inconsistency that they were at. Like like all steel is inconsistent. You know, the popper fucked is the the big fun word around the internet, and uh, that absolutely does happen. And I don't think there's a way out of it. You know, outside of outside of taking steel out of the match or out of the sport. That would obviously fix it, but uh, I don't want that. I don't think a lot of people want that. Uh, you know, the calibration system we have is okay, but in a deal like this where it's activating something, that's just a huge risk that you're taking as a competitor to call for that calibration. So that, that's kind of sucky too. Um, but again, I didn't know the level of, and maybe I'm exaggerating the level of problems we had. Maybe I'm not, but I didn't know the level the problems that we had. I had it got brought to my attention one time on Saturday. Obviously, I mean, of course, it worked fine for the staff staff match, but we were the first ones to to get on it. Uh, I did I did get called down there on Saturday by the range master to, that they were having problems with this squad um, on these targets, and I don't remember what time it was. Maybe midday Saturday or late late morning. You know, towards the end of the first the first flight, and of course, I watch it and it totally fine um i mean they're they're slow they're forward followers they're they're slow by design and uh one or two guys i watched double tapped it so that's not helping your cause you know basically standing it back up and then they're they're pissed but it was their fault and the other guys i watched uh, it worked so later in the day i went down there and looked at it and what was happening was the back of the the back of the steel was digging into the dirt a little bit, thereby making it harder, you know, presenting more of an angle, making it harder for that steel to to throw it forward. But it wasn't significant. I mean, it was still falling. It was still working. Um, so we messed with it a little bit and fine, carry on. And I didn't hear anything else until Sunday. And then I heard the stage was getting arbitrated. So that falls under mass director stuff. So I had to put arbitration committee together, um, which I did. And they went through, it took a long time. I've done a few arbitration committees and this is by far the longest deliberation that they had, but it's on them. I mean, they're all experienced shooters and um, a couple of officials and, uh, you know, they can really take all the time they want to, to come up with the answer until the match is over anyway. And, uh, they decided that it was not inconsistent. Well, it's not their call, really, to... Well, not really. It's not their call, period, to uh, throw out a stage or anything. They can't do that. They just make recommendations to the range master based on what the competitor is arbitrating. And, again, in hindsight, like, I didn't have any of this, I didn't have any of this information. I was, as a master director, you're not in on the committee, and um, I, didn't even, I didn't even read the arbitration form until it was over with. But in hindsight, I think, I think the guy that arbitrated probably arbitrated the wrong rule, and that's really all the committee is ruling on is 
you know, here's his complaint. Is it, is it, uh, I don't know if valid's the right word, but is it worthy of taking action by the range master or, or somebody? And then they would present that to the range master and say, here's what we found based on this rule or that rule or this information or that information, yay or nay. Um, so they made, re they made a recommendation that there was not, that, uh, the, the rule that the, the rule that he was arbitrating was fine. And I'm probably not using the right wordage, but you know that there was nothing to to change or do or whatever. So the state stood, and and truthfully, I'm kind of happy about that. I mean, I don't nobody wants to see a stage thrown out, uh, especially as a master director. You don't want to see a stage thrown out. Uh, but then, of course, Monday morning when the Facebooks start activating, and uh, I saw some videos, a couple of videos from shooters on there. And I would, I would concur that that stage was not working as designed or as intended, if that's the right terminology, uh, on, the, on the particular videos that I saw. So I wrote a, I wrote a big AAR to the, to the range master and to uh, NROI on some, um, some things that we can do to, to fix that in the future. And I learned a lot from a, from a stage builder. There's, and none of this matters to, to the stage in question because it's over and done with. But um, I think the system is fine. The, the fact that the, the targets were activating something is irrelevant to the situation. And they're uh, half to two-thirds of the way falling on the way to the ground before they start pulling on, on a cable the way that we set them up. So that, that was irrelevant. I mean, they could have been unattached and would have had the, um, would have had the same performance. But this... The, we got we have thinner steel, we have thicker steel, we got quarter and we got three eighths, and this happened to be the bigger stuff, and so it sets on the bottom of the steel a little differently, and it was settling in the back a little bit. Uh, so a lot of stuff is tough to explain unless you're sitting there looking at it. But bottom line is I I learned not to do it that way. I've got a better way to to set them up in the future if we're gonna if we're gonna use the forward falling stuff uh, to make that fix. So. Mass director, I apologize to the folks for for that happening. I didn't I didn't realize uh, how bad it was, and and uh, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm throwing the range officers under the bus because I'm not. But you know, as an official, I always tell our officials like you you know better than anybody what's going on here. You know, you're the one that watches it uh, 300 times or 500 times or 150 times or whatever the match level uh, needs to be, and you know, so if they think like the one particular stage that I saw, uh, and this is something I've asked the range master about just from my knowledge, but like pretty clearly, I don't think the stage is working correctly. And yes, I know the rule, like you've got to shoot the steel down or you call for calibration, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like the, the range officer, he's the man, like he's the one that knows, you know, how that steel has been working, how has it been performing. And if it doesn't perform that way, is there not anything he can do? Like, can he say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, this is dicked up"? You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you reshoot it. We got to fix this, or, or something. And I don't know the answer to that. That's something, uh, uh, pay grade above mine. But uh, I brought the suggestion, suggestion up to the, to the higher folks, and uh, maybe, you know, maybe the range master or the range officers need more authority to, to make calls and on things like that, or make adjustments, or. Or whatever, but live and learn. Uh, match overall, I think was success. I think the better shooters won, and uh, 
I haven't looked at the World Shoot team points in the other divisions. I follow it in open, and I hadn't really been because after my two performances last year, they weren't that great. I kind of thought I was out of it, but I threw the numbers in there just for the heck of it after this match, and I'm actually sitting a lot better than I thought. So got a pretty good mathematical shot at uh, making the team again as an old man. So that would be cool. We've got the Nationals out in uh, Utah. Will be our final uh, our final score, and that'll be in September. So definitely be training up for that. Uh, I'll try to get better on the podcast. I know I always say that, but this time I mean it. I got uh, had a cool class this week with uh, some really good shooters. So I'll learn some stuff there. We have the pro am coming up here in a week. So I'm shooting uh, open, limited, and the PCC. And then then the crazy season starts. Hard to believe, but we're there again. So I'll be getting ready for the Nationals in uh, Utah. Come back here. We got the Monster Match, and then we got the Nationals here, and then we got Area Six Multi Gun and Three Gun Nation Nationals. So a lot of stuff coming up. A lot of stuff to talk about. Hope you guys are having a good summer. See you on the range. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful.